Is it fun or problematic? Tourism Regina has rebranded as Experience Regina, and some of the slogans they're using: "Show us your Regina" or "The city that rhymes with fun." Some people say it is fun. Others say it is misogynistic, offensive, objectifying, demeaning, etc. What do you think? Leisure guide registration begins today, including swimming lessons. Where are we at with the lifeguard shortage in the city of Winnipeg? And do they still offer swim lessons for kids in school? Somebody in BC is launching a lawsuit aimed at the company behind the video game Fortnite, suggesting the game is just too addictive. And inspired by the theme song for Experience Regina, what's your favorite jingle? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, March 21st podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And before we do anything else, Greg's reaction to the forecast was, what? Snow? <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> do you think because it's because yesterday was spring, first day of spring, that not, that's like a season uh, shield? I'm not, I'm not uh, foolish enough to believe that we're not going to see any more snow before spring officially arrives, but I wasn't prepared for this. To, I was reading a forecast yesterday that went through until, I think, until tomorrow. Yeah. It said nothing about snow. Where, where does this come from? Immaculate conception snow like this. Come they, on. They wanted to just give us a clean, like a wash. Yeah. I was watching Global National last night, and they do the same thing as Global News here, you know, with a Your Canada photo. Yeah. And that was Donna Friesen's photo of, like, a, like flowers coming through the earth. And she says, I know it's not, doesn't look like spring everywhere, but spring is here. And I thought, oh, you BC people with your flowers coming out already. And then I was driving in this morning, and the overnight show, The Shift with Shane Hewitt, he was interviewing somebody about how he's getting his gardens ready in Victoria. And I thought, again... Like, I get it. I get we have very different climates in this country, but I will not be planting anything anytime soon. So <laughs> well, get our, lost. Our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness 204-832-6243. Spring has sprung. What's your favorite of the seasons? And 48% say summer. 26% say fall. 14% say spring it is. And 12% say, I'm that person who loves winter. So you can still cast your vote on that at cjob.com. I would probably rank, honestly, spring maybe at the bottom. But largely because, like, more than half of spring is often just gross and dirty and messy. And then it just sort of switches to summer. It feels like summer. It doesn't really feel like its own individual season. There's something super refreshing though about those magical. It's like fall. They get those those perfect few days that are crisp, warm but not too warm and the same with spring where like the, there's that smell in the air and things are starting to melt and you get to do that fun stuff where you step on the ice with your kids like the puddle uh, yeah. ice. Yeah. You know you're going for a walk with the dog and you're like, "Oh, get in there." And then booter season. You know, like there's some fun to it. <laughs> like there's like 8 to 12 hours of fun in spring. <laughs> I'm with you though, Brett, until they clean everything, all the streets are cleaned and they clean all the signs and every, you know, all the sand is gone. For me, it's when they paint the lines on the road. <laughs> that's, that's when spring has officially arrived. That's, that's, that's when it starts to feel good in Winnipeg. And that's, 
that's a really good point about spring. So much of it is wasted with this anticipation of the day that things are clean or, or as we get closer to cleaned up. And then all of a sudden, typically we're, even though it's still spring on the calendar, we're into summer like temperatures. So yeah, I probably go summer, fall. I might even go winter, spring, even though I'm completely ready for spring right now. In terms of the aesthetic, yep. it's probably in that ranking for me. So cash your vote at cjob.com on our question of the day, which is for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Um, we just wanted to quickly mention this. We often lament how much we despise Tuesday, and I was determined not to get Tuesdayed Last night, I went to bed, I don't know, 9.30, had a hard time falling asleep. Finally, just started to drift off, and then I hear, I don't know if you can hear this. Uh, this is from my phone. I'm like, what? I, I woke, wake up and hear this sound and think, what is that? Is that my fire alarm? No, at 10.38 p.m. It's hard in apartment building living. I was saying to Brett this morning when I lived in, the, uh, I think, the 15th floor it was in Toronto, you get that fire alarm in the middle of the night, and it's so tempting just to just stay put. Yeah. And you had a way to silence it, right? You could silence it in the apartment, so you would still see it in the, hear it in the hallway. But really? It was right behind this painting, and you'd stick your hand behind our painting and hit the button, and off would go the alarm, and I'd peek out the window and be like, ah, I feel like this is a false situation. So you're rolling situation, the dice. But it's stupid to roll the dice. And so Brett got up like a good man and went downstairs for how long? Uh, I, was only like, I was only downstairs, honestly, for 10 minutes because it took me, a, like, it, I when I got down there, I felt like I was the last one to get downstairs because, I don't know, there may be 100 people in the lobby because I had to get up and lumber around and get dressed and... Yeah, you're in a different state of dress than most people in your bin- building at that point in time. Yeah, and sure. I was just—I was trying to shake off the cobwebs, so I lumbered downstairs, and they moved us over to our neighboring building. The fire department came in, and I guess I don't know whatever they checked out, but they gave the all clear within ten minutes, and then I went back into my building and saw everybody waiting for the elevators, and I thought, all right, I'll just take the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> which almost killed me. You went up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I took the stairs back uh, to my apartment. So. Nothing like a shot of adrenaline <laughs> for you before you climb into bed? Well, it's funny because, you know, I got I got like halfway up and thought, oh, this is okay. This is okay. And then I got to about the 11th floor and I started to pant and then kind of giggle at, at the how <laughs> badly out of shape I am. And so when I got to my apartment, I was way too wound up and panting and my heart was pounding. Uh-huh. So I sat on my couch for another hour and just looked at amusing animal videos. You got Tuesdayed. I got Tuesday. Oh, well, you know what? We're going to make it a better day for you. We should come up with a Tuesday slogan. Ah, well, maybe we need a Tuesday experience kind of slogan. We're going to get more into this at 635 but there's a bit of a, shall we say, kerfuffle with our friends in our immediately neighboring to the West province, Mr. Greg. Yeah, the capital city of Regina. Um, this is going to be tricky to navigate. But the, basically playing off their name uh, rhymes with, sounds like, and this whole idea of uh, capitalizing on Experience Regina, a song from the mid-2000, 2008, I think. And they, they've they even changed the name of Tourism Regina to Experience Regina. And they came up with a couple of auxiliary slogans that have people scratching their head, laughing, and pointing fingers. There's some all sorts angry. of stuff going on. So, yeah, some there, people are upset about there's this. There's some anger, too, because it's... They, well, well, 
we'll explain. They've taken what would have been a barely passable barroom joke. Yeah, like an inside joke. And turned it into joke. a full yeah, marketing, marketing campaign. campaign. It's the joke you made as a kid when you drove past Regina that even kids do now. Regina, that sounds like... <laughs> Something else. Something else. And <laughs> the eight-year-old laughs because they're eight. <laughs> Not the CEO of yeah. a tourism corporation. So uh, we'll or share the, more. Or the mayor. Or yeah, the mayor. City. Yeah. I'm 45 and I still think it's funny. What started out as an attempt for a rebrand in Regina has Kind of backfired with some people calling out Experience Regina's slogans as misogynistic. So Experience Regina used to be Tourism Regina, and it launched a rebrand just a few days ago. The Experience Regina tagline was actually first used in a video from that city 15 years ago, and some of you might remember it. Last summer, the city's real district took over marketing and promotion of Tourism Regina, and this rebrand comes as their first big splash. The Experience Regina piece, we we know that that's something that's been in the background for a decade. Uh, Whether you like it or you hate it, at the end of the day, you talk about it. So that was the CEO of Experience Regina, Tim Reed, speaking at the end of that clip there. He made those comments last week, and for sure people are talking about it because this rebrand comes with slogans like... Let's make Regina sexy. Show us your Regina and the city that rhymes with fun. I didn't know this. That line, Brett, that city that rhymes with fun has been around for a while. It's a joke that's used. Yeah, I mean, one prominent example I can think of, I don't know if this is where it originated, probably not, but it came in the 2015 movie starring Ryan Reynolds, uh, the superhero movie Deadpool. A hush falls over the crowd as rookie sensation Wade W. Wilson out of Regina, Saskatchewan, lines up the shot. This form looks good. Oh, that's why Regina rhymes with fun. Okay, so I hadn't heard that before, but uh, others talked about it being the thing that people in Regina would roll their eyes about for years, sort of that barroom joke that people would make and and playing off, show us your Regina. You know, it's there have been all sorts of reactions to this and some might be laughing. I know I laughed off the hop, but I don't know. It wasn't in that, oh, wow, how clever or edgy of them kind of way. I really, I can't believe that this decision was approved in any boardroom because it, not just one person made this call. They did focus groups, Greg. They even included Regina Mayor Sandra Master. She's expected to speak about this tomorrow. But in the meantime, we're going to share some thoughts from one Regina resident. Her name is Emily Eaton. No, I don't I don't think it's right. I think that anything that um, anything that treats women's bodies as uh, a joke, as something to be um, experienced for short-term um, tourism, something that is to be um, penetrated. None of those things are reasonable ways to represent, you know, the 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 women and the people with vaginas and vagina that we love. I think. After hearing feedback over the weekend, the CEO of Experience Regina said in a statement, "This." I want to start off by apologizing on behalf of myself and our team for the negative impact we created with elements of our recent brand launch. There was such positive feedback around Experience Regina. However, it was clear that we fell short of what is expected from our amazing community with some of the slogans that we used. Regardless of our intent, the impact is valid and for that 
we apologize. We thank you for using your voice. Thank you for holding us accountable. And thank you for allowing us to be better. And you mentioned the fact that this isn't just one person in a back room comes out and says, oh, by the way, (laughs) I've come up with this and it's been launched already. What do you think of it? Now, several layers of decision-making approvals have to have to take place in order for money to get spent, in order for visuals to be created, in order for this to become a campaign. This isn't a one-person deal. This is several people. And I, I made the analogy of the of the commercial, the television commercial that gets on the air, and you look at it and you go, what are they trying to say? And you're also almost incredulous that that more than one person actually signed off on the idea of getting this thing and allowing it to get to air. And so... I think that's where I am with this is that uh, you are less than three days from launching this thing and you're already apologizing. How is it that the focus groups and somebody within your organization didn't go, yeah, that's clever or mildly funny or somewhere in between, but it's just not right. Brett. I, um, I, I gotta be honest. I don't quite know where I land on this one. On one hand, yeah, I, I had that, and I made, mentioned it earlier. How at age forty-five, I do still laugh at silly jokes like that. Toilet humor, you know. I'll fart joke. I'll give me fart jokes all day long, and I'll I'm happy. And immature humor, I'm happy with this. But we just had that conversation in recent weeks about the tampon situation on the PGA Tour with Tiger Woods handing Justin Thomas a tampon, and I was fired up about that. And I had some really heated arguments with some of my friends who are like, oh, it's just a joke. And uh, so and if I don't, if I'm not offended by, if I'm offended by that or upset about that, I kind of feel like I should be with this. And yet, I at the same time, I sort of respect their desire to lean into what people are already saying anyway. And it's it seems lighthearted to me. Like the, there's nothing malicious about this. Yeah, I, I don't think so. as someone with a Regina, I'm not offended <laughs> by this in the sense of you know, oh wow, I, I'm, I feel shocked or outraged. But I I think it's dumb, and I think I think that what made me laugh about it was really like I said, the idea that they did it in the first place. But also just there's that line, show us your Regina. And I get what they're they're trying to have fun with it, but we're trying in this day and age to enlighten people and not make it objectify and commodify. Uh, our body parts. And I just, that's where I think, okay, like probably not the, not the smartest thing. I'm not, I'm not raging against it, but I, yeah, stupid. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, three days later they have to apologize for it. They didn't catch it earlier. That's where I'm just mystified. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. So we were just talking about So that is a new take on uh, what's become a classic song. It was just a parody song about Regina tourism, and they have rebranded Tourism Regina as Experience Regina after that song. They're having fun with it, so that got us thinking about jingles. Your favorite jingles, or perhaps your least favorite jingles, maybe a jingle that haunts you, or maybe there's a jingle that... You know, when you hear it or you think of it, it brings back some kind of a fond memory. So let us know at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win Jets tickets on March 31st against the Red Wings. Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you? Uh, I hope that my computer here will work and we'll play these. Uh, Forche, I got two in prod there if uh, they don't work. Ho, ho, ho. Green Giants. Did it work? You guys hear that? <laughs> yeah, we can hear it. Ho, ho, ho. Green Giants. That's a good one. 
perfect. Do What's, you still say it? Like if you every eat, time eat, I'm in the frozen pee aisle, <laughs> which is a whole aisle apparently, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I look at them and I go ho ho ho, green giant. And also, I picked another one just because I I, I like this one as a kid the best. Oh yeah. Oh. And I would just like. Just do that myself, like it's all an effective. That's an effective jingle and for an effective product. Is Recent- it good? Yeah, I just recently a couple in the last couple of months uh, when I kind of got sick there for a couple of days late last year, I got some Ricola and yeah, it's good. Might be my favorite. We went hiking in Switzerland, like the mattered horns in the background. It's this beautiful setting, and for the whole hike down, I just every three minutes was like Ricola. <laughs> well, you have to. Yeah, you you like to it's like the only yodel <laughs> type thing I knew. Ricola, like it's ridiculous from a commercial. <laughs> um, Greg Mackling, what about you? Well, for uh, these purposes today, I had to go local. You know, I'm a big proponent of things Winnipeg. I'm a big proponent of anybody who's been advertising on CJOB for like 60 years. Best in pest control. Dead bugs, silver fish, and rodents too. No fooling when fooling exterminates for you. How old is this jingle? Well, it's well over 50 years old. Mr. Poolin went to New York and uh, commissioned this jingle and came back, and everybody in the family said, You nuts? We're not using that. Yeah, yeah, but they decided to go with it, and now it's a Winnipeg institution. I challenge just about anybody who's listened to CJOB for more than three years of their life to not be able to recite that phone number. Yeah, <laughs> you like you wouldn't know your friend's number no, offhand, but you, know but, you like, but if you need some pest control situation, two five zero zero. Jeff Brown, what about you? Uh, I didn't have time to get a clip, uh, but for me, it's the McDonald's. I'm loving it, and I am just absolutely snake bitten by that stupid jingle. I can't drive by a McDonald's <laughs> without singing it. Uh, anything good that happens in my life uh, gets tagged with me singing. I'm loving it. Uh, it's just it's ubiquitous. <laughs> I bet I say it 20 times a day. I, I hear it every morning, every morning, <laughs> like 20 times, like every morning, 20 times. You, it, it, you I just turn do, on the and say it to them. They don't even do the, they don't even do the song. It's just like, they just go, do, 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 and that's it. They don't even need to say it, and it's already in your head. Yeah. McDonald's is very effective a, at their effort. A couple notes. Yeah. Do you remember when they challenged you to sing the entire menu? No. No, I don't uh, accept challenges from restaurants, Greg. Oh, <laughs> clearly not, Jeff. You are immune to their to their advertising practices. Yeah, they used to have a, a song about the entire menu. I'll see if I can uh, dig it up for later on this morning. And do you, when you hear "I'm loving it" in your head, Jeff, do you hear it in the voice of Justin Timberlake? Nope. Whose voice? Does he do it? Yes, it was I'm, him. I'm, I'm trying to pull up right now. Yeah, he, I, I, an, he was the. It was just like a song that he did. Yeah. And um, oh, was it just a song that they yeah. then used for it's, it's the exactly, campaign? Yeah, it was a song. Oh wow! Is it like part yeah. of Sexy Back? <laughs> yeah, this was it. And then McDonald's just stole. Well, they obviously paid a paid him off. I'm sure he gets uh, gets a little bit a little bit of Skrilla every time that gets played. But, <laughs> I didn't uh, know that was an actual <laughs> song. I thought he just did the ba da ba 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 
for McDonald's. Well, no, I almost owe Timberlake like thousands of dollars for <laughs> singing it unlicensed. <laughs> Loren, what about you? Okay, this it's not necessarily my favorite jingle. Like I could think of others. I can recite. I just did the whole bounce commercial from the '90s for you guys in the in the break. Um, but this is something that I say to my kids, and I can't even explain to them why. Park Pontiac. So that was Lisa Best. Oh, my mom says this to me all the time, right. too. So I think if you're my age and older, uh, you, you find, you'll like if someone says, can you do this for me? And you'll say, you got it, Park Pontiac. And then the kids are always saying, why do you say that? And yeah, it's, it's a car commercial. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I've heard Adam Beach tell the story about being on set. And somebody said, you got it. And somebody in the group said, Park Pontiac. And they realized, oh, you're from Winnipeg. <laughs> and of course, the Winnipegers came to the forefront just by, you know, that uh, that that commercial reference. Yeah. And I be, I lived in Transcona. So I every time we drove down Regent, we'd pass the bubble, the Park Pontiac bubble. And the bubble is going to ask you, right? Though yeah. You remember the bubble? So that was a big uh, jingle for me and when I was a kid. Hey, by the way, I'm loving it. It was actually... It was originally written as a jingle for McDonald's, and then it was later produced oh, into okay. a full yeah, song. Yeah, I, w- I wondered about that. Why, would it, why t- would it be the other way around? Like, who would want to sing a song about a McDonald's? Who would want to listen to a song about a McDonald's jingle? Well, Timberlake was paid $6 million to sing the That's jingle. All? And then he says he has since regretted the deal. So uh-huh. there's clearly more going on there. But, yeah, that's well, weird got- to, to, to do it in reverse order. Yeah, I feel like, like got $6 million. He got hosed big time. Yeah, that's like that would be like Van Halen writing right now. For, for the Crystal Pepsi, Pepsi. <laughs> and, and then and then turning it into a song, right? Yeah. That, which didn't happen. Like Sammy Hagar said, we did not want to put our name on that product, but they knew that Pepsi would just hire somebody to pay the royalty and sing the song poorly. So Sammy said, if anybody's going to make all the money, it's mm-hmm. going to be us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Let me just throw this one at you. I think this was actually a listener suggestion last time we were having fun with jingles. Sturdy Danny McGee was up yes. at 59.3, says, I work as fast as I can. When he suddenly saw two scoops of raisins in a package of Kellogg's Raisin Bran. From 1985, when I hear this, I just immediately feel like a child again. And what a big, warm, fuzzy feeling that provides. So 204-780-6868. Tell us about your favorite jingles, perhaps your least favorite. Maybe there's one that haunts your dreams or your nightmares. Computers and tablets and phone lines across Winnipeg will be humming with the sound of parents trying to sign their kids up for everything from basketball to gymnastics to swimming lessons. And with that humming might be some moaning uh, because the system doesn't always work perfectly. And we know there were some issues with it in the fall. It actually, for fall registration, didn't work for a few hours. They had to sort of reboot the entire thing. So we'll see how it goes after eight. If you're signing your kid up, let us know, 780-6868. But on the list of big asks for people with kids are swim lessons because they're hoping there'll be more options when that leisure guide registration opens up after eight pool time has been at a real premium in Winnipeg for years now with one major pool in the West end closed for the entire winter. So Cindy Clausen pool was first closed for repairs in June. And then because of a lifeguard and swimming instructor shortage, it stayed closed throughout this past winter. And so it looks like that's an option again, come spring that Cindy Clausen will reopen, but 
will it be back to normal? We asked the city for how many lifeguards they have. They said they had 255, Greg, hope to have 300 by the summer. But in a statement also said that they anticipate it will take a long time or at least some time to return to full staffing levels right now. Yeah, I hate the fact that this is the story that keeps on giving. Every single quarter, it feels as though we're having this discussion. Christopher Love is the Water Smart and Safety Management Coordinator for the Life Saving Society of Manitoba. Dr. Love, good morning. Good morning. So let's just ask it this way. How bad is the lifeguard situation in in Manitoba, as far as you know? We know that there is still a shortage at this point in time. Um, We lost two years, essentially, of training uh, for instructors and lifeguards in the province due to pandemic shutdowns. Uh, And pre-pandemic, there were approximately 1,000 lifeguards trained or retrained each year. uh, And that that really plummeted during the pandemic, and we haven't quite gotten back to that level. Uh, the most recent figures we have are 2022, where we had approximately 900 uh, lifeguards you know, certified or recertified in that year. So we're still a little bit behind the curve, and it's going to take some time to catch up to where we were in advance of the pandemic hitting. What are we doing on that front to catch up? Because, you know, this is a life-saving skill. This is not just about teaching your kids how to, how to play a certain sport. This is, can be a matter of life and death. So, of course, these swimming lessons are important for many. But if they can't get them in, you might see a whole group of kids who also just don't have swimming lessons as they normally would for the span of their life, Chris. Certainly, yes. Uh, that's one of our concerns as an agency that works on drowning prevention and water-related injury prevention. Uh, every pool out there for the province of Manitoba has been running uh, full steam in terms of trying to get as many people through the door and trained as possible. Uh, But of course, they're starting at a deficit because they were short-staffed. Many staff left the industry during the pandemic shutdown and went to other jobs. Uh, And so uh, although the facilities out there, they are training as quickly as possible, they don't have as many staff as they would like to get that training to happen. Um, they don't have as many staff as they did before the pandemic to be training those thousand lifeguards per year. So it, it is a process that's going to take time. Uh, we're supporting the agencies out there as much as possible to help them find the people they need in order to get the training happening. And uh, you've seen lots of different initiatives that have come out through the media uh, in terms of ways that people are trying to attract those lifeguards. Uh, but yeah, no, it is it is a concern. It is something we're keeping watch on and trying to figure out new and innovative ways, if at all possible, to get people into the system. Hey, Christopher, I'm just wondering, for for adults who maybe haven't gone for a swim in a long time, maybe even years, um, would it should they maybe think about getting retrained for swimming or, or going for like a refresher swimming lesson? Like, let's say somebody buys a cabin near a lake and they, they want to go, they're going to spend a lot of time in the water in the summer, but it's been a while since they've been swimming. Should they be thinking about that? Oh, certainly. Uh, we, we would always advise that. Even even if you already have had a cottage, uh, if you're only going out there seasonally, it's not a bad thing to stay in shape over the winter by getting some swimming in. Uh, because as we age, uh, and uh, depending on our activity level, uh, certainly our ability to swim or do any other in-water activity can change. We talk about this as a leisure activity. We talk about it as something that that kids and adults like to do, but it's a critical life skill as well, swimming. Oh, it is. Absolutely, it is. Uh, You know, learning to swim can literally save your life.
we hear too often in the summer, there's folks who might go out on their inflatables and then get stranded in the middle of the lake and they can't swim back. Of course, we have people in canoes, uh, lots of water sporting activities going underway. And even, you know, this time of year, if you're walking along a river or or not doing the right thing and not testing the ice, you might find yourself in a situation that could be really hard to get out of even if you know how to swim, Chris. Uh, that is, yes, certainly the case. Uh, we issued a nice advisory yesterday uh, with our advice that uh, now is not the time to be going out on the ice because of uh, very unpredictable and changeable conditions due to the warming temperatures we've experienced during the days and all the bright sunshine. Uh, so, no, it is certainly the case that uh, life skills are earned and gained if you are learning to swim and learning that water safety information and literally can last a lifetime. And uh, if you don't practice it, you can also lose it. So certainly something we would be encouraging everybody to be involved in in some way, shape or form. Christopher Love is the Water Smart and Safety Management Coordinator for the Life Saving Society of Manitoba. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It is 713. Feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. Are you getting ready to try to enroll somebody in swimming lessons? And we'd love to hear your feedback after. Uh, what time did you say the starting gun? 8 o'clock? Bell rings at 8. 8.02. You'll see the first complaint from somebody. <laughs> it's not. Is it on? Would we say it's on par with campsite registry yes, day 100%. in terms of frustration people yes. feel? I've yeah. I've only ever tried once to use the leisure guide in the city, and I just quit just out of pure. I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> I remember being on uh, on a mini vacay, like a three day weekend away, and it just happened to coincide with the leisure ga- guide launching. Trying to get oh, our no. kids into the oh yeah, and we were in Fargo on the phone trying to get the kids in. It, it worked out. I think it was better when it was only on the phone. Really, <laughs> I I think so, but that that that's my experience. We're talking about jingles this morning after Tourism Regina rebranded as Experience Regina based on this old viral video from 2008. It's just a parody video for a made-up board of Saskatchewan tourism <laughs> or something like that. It's catchy. It was part of the global Regina story just about their whole failed campaign, and he ends the story saying, by the way, good luck getting that song out of your head. <laughs> oh, he's right. I'm inside. I'm walking. Every time I walk down the hallway, I'm in the elevator, and I'm like, Regina! So anyway, what's your favorite jingle, or perhaps least favorite jingle? And Greg, what does Laura have? Uh, jingles, anyone who lived in southern Ontario in the 90s will still be haunted by the Marineland jingle. I can still get my husband to respond to, in Niagara Falls, Ontario. <laughs> Here, this is how it goes. Snap your fingers. Yeah. Okay, that's enough of that. And you don't have to be Southern Ontario. No. We, we all knew that here. Yes. I, and I don't know why. If we just were part of a national... Well, if you'd be watching, say, could Family Ties from, or something? Could it be from WDIV or when we they switched the affiliate? We used to have affiliates, I think, all from North Dakota or maybe Minnesota. And then suddenly we had, we had affiliates Detroit. from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember, I uh, used to always sit down and watch. I think it was from five to six. I don't remember what order, but it was Family Ties and who's the boss or maybe it was Cosby. But there was always at the end of the show, 
a little thing that said, sit, Ubu, sit. Good yeah. dog. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that about? That was That's just a production the, company? Yeah. It's like uh, Bad Robot Productions. You always see that sort of stinger at the end. That's a, There's one, uh, that's some bad hat, Harry. Because I still say that every once in a while, sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a catchy one. What's the one at the end of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Was that bad hat? Nope. That- it's, um... Dang. <laughs> I just watched it the other night. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Not a doctor. Not yeah. a doctor. Not a doctor. <laughs> Right now, we want to talk about something that is being described as addictive as possible. That's what one Vancouver parent says is wrong with the video game Fortnite. And they're taking its makers to court. The proposed lawsuit was filed in British Columbia on Friday. And in it, the plaintiff identified only as A.B. says her son downloaded Fortnite in 2018 and developed an uh, adverse dependence on the game. That's a quote from the... From the proposed lawsuit, the lawsuit goes on to say Fortnite uses intentional design choices, Loren, reward offers, and the lure of constant updates to encourage players to return. This parent is alleging the game breaches business and consumer protection acts, and they're seeking damages for what they call unjust enrichment and medical expenses for psychological and physical injuries. So I'm not sure if this they ended up having to go see a psychologist for this child or what the case is. But Fortnite, if you don't know, and I don't know if I'm going to explain this properly, so feel free to jump in, anyone. But uh, there's hundreds of millions of people who play it worldwide. Uh, Kids play it, adults play it. It's a survival game, really. It's sort of of like you're at war, but you're kind of more like a Hunger Games type thing. You can get weapons. You're trying to be the last person standing. It involves some strategy. It's fun, like I I think. I've never, I've tried it once. I I'm not very good with these remotes of these days that have 97 buttons on them. I'm used to my old school Nintendo, but whatever. Uh, I know my kids loved it, and I would argue had a hard time not playing it. I don't know if it was an addiction, but they do have things that you can buy to augment your game. Uh, You can purchase a weapon or a dance, and so there is this constant, like, you want to make sure you don't have your credit card tied to the game because they could just update it at any time. And then that lawsuit referenced the fact that they're always coming out with new generations, so you've got to get up at 3 in the morning to update the Fortnite or got to be up early to make sure you get on it. And so it had that attraction. I don't know if that's any different than a lot of games. Like, Weren't there things with games when we were kids? You'd buy the magazine to find the code to help help you finish the game. Sure. So it's, you know, it's just a different way of, of... connecting but i'm going to just play some audio now because jimmy kimmel did a whole bit on Fortnite a few years ago he asked parents to send him videos of them shutting off their kids gaming consoles and tvs while they were in the middle of playing Fortnite because he had heard it was so terrible and here's what some of that sounded like what just happened it just what it just turned off what Benjamin, oh my gosh, Daddy, why'd you do that? Bobby! Daddy, I didn't see you! I'm getting away! Stop! Stop! I can still win, I can still win! It's kind of outrageous. And, you know, we, we were watching that again this morning, Greg, because we were talking about this lawsuit. Yep. And they're reacting really horribly. And you could hear the audience go, <gasps> and some of it, because the kid will slap the camera out of the dad's hand or mm-hmm. chase after the parent. Turn it back on. Turn it back on. They're swearing from young children. They're so mad about it. And so I don't, 
I don't know what to think here because I'm not sure about the lawsuit, but there, there, I did find with my kids, there seemed to be something about that game. I don't know what it was. I have admitted to my children that if NHL 2022 or 2023 was a thing back in 1985 or 1986, I would have never, ever left my house. <laughs> I confess that wholeheartedly without hesitation or reservation. What you can do on these video games is unbelievable. When it comes to Fortnite, my kids play it. I don't think that they play it in the same fashion. As far as I know, they don't have any credit card information or anything like that in order to buy some of the rewards and to uh, game up and to, to buy these things that, that you can earn and then and also pay for online. But I know it's a huge issue for a lot of parents, Brett, that, you know, the, the, it's time to come down for supper turns into a 20-minute argument and at the center of it, our video games, and and quite often, it it turns out to be this Fortnite game. I don't know what's worse, the ability to pay for these upgrades to the game or to buy these extra items, or like the way it used to work when I played video games is if you wanted to unlock a certain item, depending on the game, you might have to play it for hours just to collect enough points. So you'd be basically roaming back. I remember playing Final Fantasy Mm -hmm. role-playing game, and I remember spending like five hours just trying to acquire enough hit points or coin or whatever so I could buy this magic spell with it. But that was within the game. It wasn't, you paid for the game Mm -hmm. and that was it. Mm -hmm. That was your expense. So I don't know. I just, it's a totally different world. I stopped playing video games at the Nintendo 64. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, you know, we already had people writing in to say, this lawsuit is ridiculous. Sounds to me like this person is blaming a game developer for their lack of parenting skills. Understand what your kids are playing and set boundaries around what they're playing and how they're playing it. And I and I agree whole, wholeheartedly with all of that. I don't know if they're going to be able to make an actual case in court that there's something specific in this game that is is uh, feeding off addictive personalities the same way as nicotine or, or what have you. I think that might be hard, but... I, There'll be a lot of parents nodding out there saying there's something about Fortnite that drove them nuts. One of our listeners says, uh, don't put it in your mouth. PSA from the early 90s is spectacular. Can't help but bopping along to that one. And who doesn't like musical Why do you think your mommy or daddy are always telling you, don't put that in your mouth? Let's find out. Don't you put it in your mouth, don't you put it in your mouth, don't you stuff it in your face, don't stuff it in your face, though it might look good to eat, though it might look good to eat, and it might look good to taste, and it might look good to taste. You could get sick. You could yeah. get yeah. sick. Yeah, real quick. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Real sick. Thank you, William, for that. Yeah. Did these puppets uh, replace Mr. Yuck? Oh, I don't... Know that I remember Mr. Yuck. Mr. Yuck is mean. <laughs> Mr. Yuck is green. I do not know what's happening here, <laughs> nor do I know this jingle. Poison, poison control <laughs> in the United States, Mr. Yuck. And so they had these stickers that you could get and put on, you know, put them on the harmful uh, materials in your house, you know, the pine saw and all the different stuff. And uh, Mr. Yuck was sort of. Um, 
he, he was like a ghost-like thing you would maybe uh, imagine seeing on uh, the Fr- uh, the House of Frightenstein. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, he he, he was pretty cool, Mister Yuck. That can, that's that rings a bell. That, I might have to look that up. Um, but the whole reason we're talking about this, and by the way, we're going to pick a winner on the jingle question at nine fifteen. But the reason we are talking about this today is, oh, where are you? Okay, it's because of this song. A 2008 parody video about Regina tourism. Tourism Regina has rebranded as Experience Regina, and as a result, they are using some slogans that some see funny and some see as awful. And at cjob.com, our question of the day for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. The slogans, that some of the slogans are using, the city that rhymes with fun, and show us your Regina. What do you think? And so far, at cjob.com, we have 48% who say it's, I'm not, or 50% who say I'm not offended, but like, what were they thinking? Mm-hmm. 30% say it's funny, let them run with it, and 20% say it's offensive and objectifying. Similar result on Instagram, but on Twitter, the runaway winner so far is it's funny, let them run with it. So they've gone on and apologized for this, the tourism agency, they've removed these slogans that seemingly make light of the city's name reminding rhyming with female anatomy I'm, I'm reading from a script here Regina we all know as kids driving around it you make jokes and so that's why I think it's bothersome to some seems like something that a joke a child would make or, or what have you but the slogans have been upsetting to some people uh, Talitha McCloskey is a founder of a local women's group in Regina and had this to say I don't know if there I don't know if there was enough representation at the table to say seeing this would be comfortable with it. And I know you can't make everyone happy, but this has obviously made a lot of people unhappy. Right. And if it's making, it's making, there was quite a few people who spoke out against it and just in terms of maybe not saying it offended them, but what are you thinking? And you're trying in this day and age to have people uh, speak well of, of each other and not take them down a road of show us your vagina. Uh, we know what, they're implying there and that's not where you want to take any female i'll I'll let uh, others decide whether it's tasteful or not i just can't believe that less than 96 hours after releasing this that they had to apologize for doing it so you know where is the process in terms of approving these things all the way along who is involved because you know it's more than just one person and so that's what baffles my mind is the fact that you spent some money some effort a lot of money and a, and a lot of effort in in all likelihood just to have to pull these things. I, I think that's uh, super inefficient. Reminder, Leisure Guide, the starting gun was fired at 8 o'clock this morning. We are getting some feedback on that on your experiences thus far. What have we got? Well, swim lessons is the big one for many parents because pools haven't opened as they should have during COVID. And then during COVID, a ton of lifeguards didn't get the training they normally would. So we have a lifeguard shortage. And it sounds like I would say we'd still have a class shortage out there for many parents because several of our listeners saying they haven't been lucky at all this morning. One listener saying, just signing up my twins at the same level. We were unlucky because we could really only do one day of the week, but I was on by 8.02. I only got one of them in. I've been registering my kids in these programs for 14 years and have never seen things fill up this fast. 
Another listener says, once again, all places for sport and leisure in Winnipeg are gone in 10 minutes from opening. The city has less places now than they did three years ago. My daughter will not start swimming this year. Again, what's going on? And so what's going on is maybe it's capacity. The pools don't have the space. Maybe they don't have enough people to teach the lessons, Greg. But it makes you wonder, you know, when we talk about investments in your city, and I think we put our rec centers low on the list until it comes to the time, like now, when you think... What's going on? Do we not have the space? Do we not have the teachers? Because swim lessons is not like a cooking class. You know, I can, someone else can teach me to cook for free. I need uh, someone to teach me to swim. This is a life skill, in particular in a province like ours, where so many of us in the summer months spend so much time close to the water. Just maybe if it's just to cool off at a community pool, or maybe you're lucky enough to make your way out to Birds Hill Beach or or some of the great beaches, or you have or you have a cottage and you spend time there. Uh, learning how to swim in this part of the world, I think, is absolutely imperative. Growing up in Brandon, we had swimming lessons as part of our curriculum very early in grade two, grade three, grade four. I can remember when I was in grade six, helping out the grade threes and fours and going as a, as a helper in grade six when the, when the threes and fours were getting on the bus and we'd go all over hell's half acre of Brandon and collect kids at two or three different schools in order to, to make sure they were using best use of the sportsplex pool. So no, this is something that's absolutely critical and this shortage of classes and the ability to get your kids into classes or inability is not brand new. Unfortunately, this is something that's been around for a a long, long time, and I don't know why we refuse to make it a priority. So let us know how your Leisure Guide experience is going at 204-780-6868, whether it was a successful morning or if perhaps you've already been met with frustration, and we'll have much more to discuss on that through the day, no doubt. In the meantime, we wanted to talk about, well, I'll just read the headline. Marketing to kids glut in restaurants, stores, raises concerns. What's happening here? I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out whether this sounds new to me or if we've been talking about this for a long, long time about targeted marketing towards children. And now there's just more data to back it up. But this comes from some researchers at Waterloo University. They looked at 11 different regions, eight provinces, two territories about just how different stores and restaurants market to kids, you know, using bright colors cartoons, images, zoo animals, adventure things that would attract children. And they found they found that store checkouts are increasingly a prime location to market towards kids because they put things at eye level, at the kid's eye level, and then the kid wants it. Um, the report found that nearly all stores, 84%, had gum and candy at the checkout. Only 6% had fruit and 2% had vegetables at the checkout. That's a good point. Of, you know, you're trying to get your kids to eat healthy and that when you're standing in that checkout for 30 minutes, there's not one healthy item to be found at those checkouts ever. But but that's not new to me. It's just this idea that now they're looking at the data and they're concerned about it because kid, kids are getting way more processed foods than what's considered healthy. We're having way more sugary drinks than what's considered healthy, way more salt. And they say it's more than any other age group. So that's why they're worried now. They're saying that we're, if we continue to hook kids and lure them in, then we're creating what is potentially unhealthy and fat adults. Hello, Ronald McDonald, clown selling hamburgers and French fries. My dad used to call that, by the way, the garbage dump. We'd be past the golden arches and we'd all be excited. Can we go to McDonald's? You want to go to the garbage dump? 
because he just was trying to tell us that it was bad food. <laughs> We're talking about jingles this morning. How many people have referenced McDonald's jingles over the years? They are master marketers, and most of that marketing is aimed at kids. So kids will drag their parents to McDonald's, typically not the other way around. Sugary cereal cereals have been at kids' eye level for a long time. There's a reason why those trashy gossip magazines are at at the till or at the cash out. They're impulse items. They've always been impulse items, and and the gum and the chocolate bars. I, I bought. Uh, uh, Reese's Pieces at Safeway yesterday or a peanut butter cup and, and a chocolate bar for my kid because they were a buck. They were on sale. I'm like, oh, the cheap sugar rush. Count me in on that. But this this is nothing brand new, Brett. I'm I'm surprised that this, this uh, survey is kind of making it sound like we just discovered that Joe Camel was enticing kids to smoke cigarettes back in the 1950s. You mentioned Ronald McDonald, and when my sister and I were little kids, we might be playing in the living room, not paying attention to what was on television, but when we would hear Ronald McDonald come on, when those commercials would come on, we would come running to see the exploits of the Hamburglar and Grimace and Birdie the Early Bird and the Fry Kids. They had us hook, line, and sinker with that marketing. And now, to be fair, I don't know how... I don't remember being often successful at convincing my parents to drag us to McDonald's. And actually, it, it, that's where I ended up learning one of my most, uh, what I think one of my more important lessons in life, which was to clean up after yourself. That's where my parents taught me about right. the garbage monster. Mm-hmm. Now the garbage can said, thank you. So you got to feed, you got to put your garbage in there and feed the garbage monster. And that's why he's saying thank you. So that I learned because of McDonald's to clean up after yourself at a very early age. But there's no denying that that marketing had us like that. You couldn't stop. You once Ronald McDonald came on television, we were gone. We were in that zone, and there was no snapping us out of well, it. Well, do do correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the makers of products, whatever they might be, try to get them on certain shelves in the grocery stores, and they talk. They go into the grocery stores, yes. and they work with the grocer, and they might even pay more for that mm-hmm. aisle and versus the bottom row versus the top row Correct. versus what's at eye level, right? I mean, it's all a ploy to, to suck you in. The one term that did stand out for me from this study that I enjoyed, they called putting the stuff at the checkout, Brett, pester power. It gives the kid <laughs> pestering power, right? You're just standing there, and your child's relentless. Like, why not? Why can't I have gum? I have my own money. Can I pay for it myself? How about if I have gum and clean up after school? I'll clean up when we get home. I'll carry the groceries in. I'll cook. Gum, 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 gum. Pester power. Pester power. Right? They know. So these things don't happen by accident. They know the psychology of kids and they're using it to their advantage. This is... This is this is the least surprising thing I've read probably in about a year. That pester power thing is fascinating because, yeah, I never would have thought about that. But I imagine for many parents, and I just think back to the way I behaved when my parents would drag us out shopping, I was, I seem to just remember being a holy terror. My parents always said, oh, it wasn't that bad. And and they would often say my sister was worse, uh, mostly because she was smaller than me and she would just disappear. Like if we went, <laughs> she would like hide in the, the clothing racks and stuff. And then she'd like, they'd, my mom would turn around for a second and she'd be gone. But uh, yeah, the the idea that, okay, we just got to get into the store, drag my kids around, buy what we need, survive the next 20 to 30 minutes and get out. But by the end, you might already be at the end of your rope. 
And hence, that's why the pester power is, in fact, power. Adults can't resist the impulse buys. Like, you know, when you go to, oh, what store was I at the other day? Marshall's, I think. Oh, Marshall's and Winners. And then you end up in that long, 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 long checkout line. Oh, yeah. And there's candles and snacks and little doodads, like little appliances. And next thing you know, your arms are filled. You came in to get a shirt or something very specific. And you're a grown woman. And you're like, why did you buy this? I don't know. <laughs> now you throw kids in who are, at, you know, pester power. I pester myself sometimes into buying things. Well, you, we're victims of pester power anytime we're on Instagram in particular. They are really good at figuring out what it is you're looking for oh, and yeah. what sort of products that you like. Pester, pester. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. I'll take a look at this. Uh, check out now. Like, you don't even have to. I've got it set up. My own fault. I don't, I, don't, I don't even have to do anything but click a button if, to buy something on Amazon. Oh, boy. I don't even have to go to my cart. I don't have to add. Buy it now. The yellow button. Click. Boom. Yeah, it's on its way. Be here Thursday. Thank you for your money. You for something have. that you didn't even really want or need. Oh, boy. <laughs> you must have good discipline to be able to. For the most part. For yeah. the most part, yes. But uh, I've been close a couple of different times where they've added a, a step, and I go, no, that's a that that's a line too far for me. If I can't get it and order it right now, then I'm not going to bother. Did you get your kids signed up this morning for swim lessons? Or was it a swing and a miss? A registration for classes under the Spring Leisure Guide opened at 8 a.m. this morning. Some of you said you had zero issues signing your kids up. Others have texted to say they weren't able to get swim lessons for their kids. For years now, of course, we've been talking about water safety in Manitoba because there's it's obvious, right? There's thousands of lakes and rivers. And uh, no matter how often we talk about water safety, there are unfortunately tragedies in our waterways and pools every single year. And so it's why some have called for mandatory swim lessons in schools. When I was growing up, that was the norm. I think it was the same for you guys. Did you have swim lessons in schools? I think so, yeah. I was starting to think back to that. Uh, but yeah, I think for a couple of years, we, we they'd, they'd bring us over to a different school. We'd uh, I went to school at Ecole Centrale in Transcona, but they'd bring us over to Bernie Wolf. They had a pool there. For one year at least, right? It wasn't that it was throughout school, but I know in grade four, we got bussed over to Brandon. And so uh, Brian O'Leary is the superintendent at Seven Oaks School Division, where they do offer some sort of swim lessons through school. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Lauren. Walk us through what's offered in your division. Uh, we offer swimming to all our grade four students. Um, it's uh, they'll be going kind of once a week for about a third of the school year, uh, and it's enough to give kids basic swim skills um, and certainly uh, um, water safety knowledge. Um, every year there are drownings. Um, usually they're preventable. Uh, we see swimming as a life skill, and this has been something that Seven Oaks School Division has been doing. Uh, I, I think probably for 50 years. Uh, it's very popular with parents and kids love it. Uh, and I know I got it in, in the training in Brandon and uh, invaluable, uh, Brian. You mentioned the fact that it, it's a life skill. So has there ever been any pushback with regard to the school division offering swimming lessons? Uh, um, actually, no pushback. Parents love it. Um, we've kind of expanded those kind of offerings. We do a learn to skate program in grade one and two that helps kids uh, get outdoors and very often they're dragging their families to the skating rink. Uh, and we do a, 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 a kind of bike safety 
uh, learn to bike on the road program for kids in uh, in middle years. Um, uh, you know, skating, swimming, riding a bike safely are all uh, we think life skills uh, that schools should be teaching, uh, and and they're very popular with kids and popular with parents. You mentioned you've been doing the swimming lessons for years. Has there ever been a time in those years where you had to scale back the programming or maybe just press pause on it altogether? Uh, COVID was really uh, difficult to keep it going, so it, you know, we we missed during COVID. Uh, but we've worked through pool closures and renovations. Uh, we've maintained this program uh, through the various ups and downs of budget cycles. Uh, so it, it, it is part of, uh, you know, we we term that Seven Oaks is parent-friendly. We don't charge people fees for musical instruments, uh, field trips, lunch hour supervision, and we do provide learn to bike, learn to skate, uh, learn to swim programs. Um, and it's part of just, we, we think, uh, understanding the pressures that families are under these days um, and giving kids a well-rounded program. Yeah, we were talking about the idea that people were signing their children up for swim lessons this morning that might not have been able to get lessons for their child through the leisure guide, Brian. And then you can go the private route if you want, but that's hundreds of dollars. And so that's not affordable. And so for this life skill, as we we know it is, it's unfortunate when you're priced out of those lessons. Uh, What is the cost to run swimming in your division? Do you know? Yeah, we're we're probably, I, I would say the cost is, about 250000 a year, and that's pool rental, that's uh, hiring instructors, uh, and then there's a cost busing kids to and from the pool. Um, but, but, you know, we, we think it's, and, and that's, that's swimming lessons for uh, about eight or 900 kids. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the cost per kid isn't that high. And, and to be clear, it's not that they're walking away knowing how to do a perfect front crawl. This is just that they get enough Time. Well, they, they get grouped by ability, so uh, everyone is getting the basics. Kids with some swimming skills are, uh, are able to advance those skills. Well, and let's face it, I'm just thinking about this out loud, Brian. Those pools are sitting empty most days from uh, 9 a.m. until 4, 4.30 when those public lessons take place uh, after school. So why not take advantage of the pools being available and those resources uh, sitting empty otherwise? That's, uh, that's been our thinking for decades. Brian O'Leary, Superintendent at Seven Oaks, Oaks School Division, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Brian. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Based on Tourism Regina rebranding as Experience Regina, embracing this cheeseball 2008 parody video for Saskatchewan Tourism, and we're asking you about your favorite jingles. And we have one listener here who has actually found the link for this on a YouTube channel called RW-TV Retro Winnipeg. Uh, This comes from Jason, who says the jingle that takes me back to my youth is the old Champs commercial music 9431234 champs delivers chicken hot right to your door ding dong a 1234 champs delivers chicken hot right to your door i do not know this no one two three four so i guess it was greg was it you asking about the national campaign yeah uh uh 
uh, yeah, had to do with uh, delivering the chicken. Now this song's in my head. Now I can't remember the other one. It Can, had to do with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken in your neighborhood. Colonel Sanders and his boys make it finger licking good. That's the one. And the and Jason says uh, that doesn't ring a bell. But we grew up with Farmer Vision out in the country. Yeah. So depending on how the antenna on the roof was Fair moving enough. with the wind, not a lot of commercial variety. Uh, you have no idea when you grew up. You know, with those two to three channels. Like I got to university and just felt really lost with all the things, the pop cultural references. And I would, I would only be able to watch much music or MTV if you had a friend's house in town. All the town kids had way better cable. Townies. The townies were just better off. Uh, yeah, you felt lost. <laughs> no, Greg, earlier you referenced something called Mr. Yuck because we were talking, camera, where we were talking about uh, a poison jingle or something. That's right. Uh, don't put your, don't, don't put, put them in, in your, your mouth. mouth. Yeah. Okay. So, and so Mr. Yuck was, I think, the predecessor to that. It was from the 1970s, basically from the poison control in uh, the United States. And he was menacing. Mr. Yuck is me. Mr. Yuck is green. Home is full of lots of things that children shouldn't touch. Home is full of bad things that can hurt you very much. Now there's a man whose face is green that you ought to get to know. He'll warn you when danger's coming fast or slow. So this was uh, back in the day when uh, a one-minute commercial wasn't unusual. So I'll just take down the volume there. Okay, Mr. Yuck. And before we play our winner here, we wanted to run this past you as well because this is kind of along the lines of that Regina uh, parody video. This is uh, from Cleveland. This is a, a mock tourism video from Cleveland, Greg. Fun times in Cleveland today. <laughs> Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland town, everyone. Come and look at both, both of our buildings. <laughs> Buy some food that's prepared near the street. Who knows, you might even see this guy. You should come on down to West 6th Street. Here's a statue of Moses Cleveland. He's the guy who invented Cleveland. Yeah! <laughs> I watched Excellent. this so many times this morning. It brought the joy I needed on this Tuesday, so did thank you, you. Did you watch the update video? Fun times in Cleveland some more. New Cleveland. Welcome to New Cleveland Town, everyone. No river fires for over 50 years. <laughs> no river fires for over 50 years. <laughs> no river fires. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. Cleveland rocks. But uh, David Loren is our winner this morning. David says, so you know those mini boxes of Smarties the kids get for Halloween? Well, every time they open them up, I ask, are you going to eat the red ones last? And then I start into the jingle. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red one? You know, let's just let the let's let the people sing it. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red With the robot. Remember the robot? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what is that voice in the background? Well, the first part of this commercial. That's right. The first part of that commercial is just a crazy robot singing, which I totally forgot about. It was this guy. How hard is it? I think I was recording that in a break when you were talking in the background or blowing your nose behind oh. me or something. So I, get the I can't remember open. what else might have been said then, so we'll just leave it at that. But David is our winner, and we love that because David went on to say, he sings the entire jingle. My kids look at me, roll their eyes up, and say, your dad is weird. 
and then I start the jingle all over again. Way to go, David. Torturing your children with Smarties jingles. Ah, that's good stuff. Um, so congratulations. Enjoy the Jets game on March 31st against the Red Wings. And thanks to all for participating. This one really was an avalanche of text messages this morning. Lots of fun going down memory lane on so many of these. I completely forgot about that Champs ad. My goodness. Right now, we want to talk about how a Vancouver parent has launched a proposed class action lawsuit against the makers of Fortnite, saying the popular video game is designed to be, quote, as addictive as possible for children. In the lawsuit filed in B.C. Supreme Court on Friday, the plaintiff identified only as A.B., says her son downloaded Fortnite in 2018 and developed an adverse dependence on the game. So the accusation in the statement of claim is that this game, Fortnite, incorporates a number of intentional design choices like rewards for completing challenges. There's frequent updates, which the lawsuit says, alleges, encourages players to return repeatedly. And the statement says Fortnite creator, which is Epic Games, enriches itself by making content and customization options purchasable via an in-game currency, which you have to buy with real cash. So you have to buy these kind of tokens with real money. And so the class action lawsuit, it doesn't say how much they're seeking. It still needs approval from the court and all the rest. And again, none of the allegations have been proven in court, but the, the lawsuit is going after the makers for money because it says they suffered that damages, psychological and other, Greg. Well, I'm going to invite uh, our text uh, messenger here to listen to this conversation with our guests. This lawsuit is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It sounds to me like this person is blaming a game developer for their lack of parenting skills. Understand what your kids are playing and set boundaries and rules around what they're playing and how they are playing it. And then a person goes on to say, don't disagree that people become addicted to video games, but to place the blame on the game developers is absolutely ludicrous. The book is Addiction Emergency Response Plan, a 30-day collaborative approach. The author is a Manitoban living in Colorado, Rick Boland. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. How is everyone? Yeah, we're doing great. Uh, let's, let's jump right into this with regard to addictions. Are addictions to alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, other activities any different in their, their origin or impact uh, to an addiction to video games? Well, Greg, there's two big categories of addiction. One are substance addictions, alcohol, tobacco, uh, drugs, street drugs, right? And the other are process addictions. So things like gaming, shopping, sex, porn. And those two types of addictions, um, well, they uh, impact individuals in very similar ways, you know, taking over your life, uh, causing you to lose track of other uh, priorities, uh, impacting relationships with family members, oftentimes negatively impacting uh, your career, right? They, they are treated differently. Well, we may have lost our guest. The alcohol. Oh, no, you're, you're there. Sorry, Rick, we lost you there for a second. Go ahead. You were just saying they're treated differently. Oh. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so they get treated differently only because, um, you know, gambling is something that we do every day when we get out of bed. You know, we take a chance. Uh, whereas with alcohol, we can cut alcohol out of our lives entirely, and, and abstinence can be an answer for, for a treatment of, of a substance addiction. But when it comes to process addictions, they're just more difficult to treat because, um, 
lots of aspects of life remind us of video games. Lots of aspects of life remind us of gambling. So they're just different um, in that regard. But in many important ways, they're identical and, and very similar. So, and there might not be an answer to this question, Rick. Is there something in the individual that has them maybe predisposed to becoming addicted to certain things? Or can there actually be a quality of a video game that would create an addiction in a child or adult? Yeah, it's such a fascinating question. I, I suspect that a lot of your listeners are asking the exact same question. Um, for all of the work that we've done on addiction, there is still great debate and there's still great curiosity and lots of research still needed as to whether or not addiction is based, you know, genetically in our, in our nature or whether or not it's environmental and it's in our nurture. And for some individuals, it appears that there are very significant components of addiction that are just in their nature. And for, for other case studies, it's clear that it was environmental impact that, uh, that triggered the addictive behavior. I think what is so incredibly interesting about this story uh, that you're discussing this morning is that it, it kind of jumbles together. And, of course, it's a news story, so they, they have to cover a lot in a short period of time. But it jumbles together two really important issues, and those need to be torn apart when you think about this case. Right? The first question is, it, the video game, as it was produced, right, is it really giving informed consent to the players? Like, do the players really understand what they're being invited into or into the, the, the real the nature of the situation? Do they realize how much these, these uh, purchases that they make in the game, do they realize how much those are actually going to cost them in real dollars instead of the fake currency that they use inside of the game? So there's lots of different issues around informed consent. And that I know that this company has been sued in the U.S. successfully for not providing informed consent. But the case in British Columbia doesn't appear to be focused specifically on the informed consent piece of this. It has to do with whether or not companies are allowed to make products that are so interesting or so appealing that consumers want to return to them regularly. And you would think that alongside this video game company, companies like McDonald's and Molson's and others would line up and say, you better believe we have the right to make a product that people like and that people want to consume and they want to consume even more regularly and more often. And so I think what's really super fascinating about this lawsuit is whether or not it raises the question successfully of what are the limits companies are allowed to go to in order to make their products appealing. And that the news article certainly doesn't cover that. And I think that it would take hours, right, of, of, of experts to dig into that. But I don't think that folks want McDonald's to make their French fries any less tasty um, because they're concerned that some people might consume them too often. Um, so do, are we asking video game companies to make their games a little less interesting so people feel less compelled to pick up the controller or play them again? Our guest is Rick Boland. I want to live in. Rick Bolin is the author of Addiction Emergency Response Plan, a 30-day collaborative approach. And we're talking about this lawsuit being launched in B.C. against the video game Fortnite for, for being addictive. So, Rick, kids cereal. It's, it's been at kids' eye levels forever and a day. Joe Camel was not aimed at 50-year-old women. There are so many examples of marketing stuff which just isn't good for 
us, even for kids, where does the corporate responsibility come in? And where is that line in your mind? Yeah, I think there's 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 big issues. Um, and I think if you look at the history of tobacco and, you know, tobacco consumption in Canada, um, we decided as a country that people needed to be very clearly informed of the risk that they were taking if they were going to use those products. And I think that a lot of corporate responsibility revolves around this issue of informed consent. Do people really understand the consequences of either consuming or using the product? And you know, as science catches up, sometimes we learn there are new consequences. And we don't know all of the consequences of a generation of kids raised on video games. But as we learn about new consequences, we need to allow parents that information and we need to get that information to potential gamers as well and let them know, like, hey, 12 hours spent playing our video game has the following effect on, on how your brain works, how you think, and, and uh, how your life might just go. So I think for me, it comes down to, uh, you know, I, I would prefer a nation in which uh, no one was addicted to alcohol, but I would also prefer a nation in which people are allowed to consume alcohol. Uh, when it's not a problem. So I think I'd prefer a country that allows people to play video games, but I also would prefer a nation in which no one had to suffer through a video game addiction. And so if we can just inform people as to what the consequences are, and of course there's an age question, can we keep younger kids off these games? And the company has taken a step to keep you know kids under the age of 13 uh, from playing the game without their parents uh, um, regularly being updated on what's going on through these cabined accounts. So it's, for me, it's all about informed consent and, and about protecting children. Rick, when you were, you and I were of a certain age, we had to make sure or wanted to make sure we had quarters in our pockets so that we could play the, the latest pinball machine or the latest arcade game. But now there are credit cards and, and big money involved in terms of purchasing these tokens, these powers, et cetera, uh, uh, whatever they may be within these video games. Does, does that change things in terms of the responsibility of these game makers to, you know, as you pointed out, just the the very knowledge of understanding what it is you're getting yourself into here? Yeah, Greg, I think you've raised a great issue. A long, long time ago, casinos um, uh, discovered that if you could take dollar bills out of people's hands and give them chips, that they value those chips differently than they value a dollar bill. And that's why we use, or that's why casinos use chips in casinos, because people, are, people feel less worried about losing chips than they do about losing dollar bills, because they know the value of a dollar bill. The chip has this kind of fake value to it, right? And so video game companies have come along and, t- and, and piled on to that exact same strategy, where we don't have people spending dollars in these video games. We have them spending this fake currency, which we just don't have, and especially kids just don't have the same attachment to. And I think, you know, one step might be to say, hey, you know what, if you're going to take money out of people's pockets in a video game, whether that's through quarters or that's through, uh, you know, credit cards, why don't we leave that in a, in a currency people understand, you know, because that would really help them understand how much they're spending on this. And is that new dance move really worth, you know, a dollar or $30 to them, or could they live without it? And, and when you, when you ask them to start spending tokens or fake currency or, or chips or, or what, or anything else that's, that they just don't have the same attachment to, 
um, you are clearly encouraging them to engage in behavior they might not otherwise engage in if they really understood the consequence of what they were spending. We'll have to leave it there, Rick, but I feel like we've just scratched the surface on this. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a great morning, everyone.